morning I want to begin just by reading one verse from John 15, and then it'll be verse 11, just to begin. These things I have spoken to you, and remember this is the words of Jesus, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So let's pray once again. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to your word once again, dear Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And perhaps most important, Lord, who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray, amen. Now, as I pointed out last week, keep in mind that these words from Jesus are the night before His crucifixion. It was during this last night in the upper room celebrating the Passover with His disciples that Judas was exposed as the betrayer. And having received the the piece of bread from Jesus, Judas went out immediately into the night to give Christ over. And so from this point on, uh, that, that was in John 13. And so from that point in verse 30 in John 13, Jesus is talking to the remaining 11. Those who did not leave, the true followers. So we have the contrast between Judas, the false followers, or the false disciple, the false apostle, apostle, and then the 11 who are genuine. And then Jesus brings out this distinction, and and this is what we're going to be talking about today, the distinction between Judas and the others, the true and the false believers. And it's very clear in these opening 11 verses of John 15. We know this, that they are at this time no longer in the upper room. If we would have looked at the, the, uh, the last words of Jesus in John 14, he said, arise, let us go from here. And then we know from uh, the gospel of Matthew, Luke, where they're headed. They're leaving the upper room. They're leaving by night and they're going to the garden of Gethsemane. And these are the words that Jesus says. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. 
As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus, I'm telling you these things, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full, that your joy may be complete. And I've asked the question over the last several weeks, where can true joy be found? In Christ. And only in Christ. In knowing Jesus, in knowing who He truly is, the only begotten Son of God, sent by God from heaven to come to the earth that He had created and to give of Himself His very life upon the cross of Calvary as the once and all-time perfect sacrifice for sin. And Jesus begins with the declaration in that first verse, John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In John 15, 5, He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. A declaration of the deity of Christ. Now, last week, we looked at the I am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John, and these are statements of Jesus Himself declaring His deity. And I asked the question last week, is it important that we believe in the deity of Christ, that Jesus came as God incarnate, God with us? And the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, you can't be saved, you can't be born again unless you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the I Am. And we read in John 8, verses 23 and 24. And He said to them, and here He's speaking to the unbelieving Jews, the Pharisees, and He said to them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You must believe that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, that he is. And then we read Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must Believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So back to the first verse of John 15. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser. Christ is the vine, the true vine. And Jesus is under the leadership and care of God the Father. And he says this throughout his whole ministry on earth. Jesus submitted to the Father's will in everything he did. God, the Father, is the one caring for the vine. I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Then, in the remainder of these verses in our text today, from verse 2 to verse 11, the question answered is this. What is the mark of a true disciple? The one that is not a Judas, but a true follower of Christ. What is the nature of true Christianity? How do we distinguish if I am a true believer, if I am a true Christian? Or how do we distinguish if someone else is a true or false Christian? And I would say these things are foundational. 
So I want us to read once again. Let's read verses 1 through 6. John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The vine dresser takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And remember, he's talking to the eleven that remained. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. See, there's the sta- it's statements over and over and over. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, the analogy of Jesus is really quite simple, isn't it? There is a vine, Jesus. There is a vine dresser, God the Father. And there are two kinds of branches. Branches that bear fruit and are pruned so that they will bear more fruit. And then there are branches that don't bear fruit. There is no true life in them. Ultimately, they are cut off and burned. And everyone on the face of this planet is one of these two branches. This is about distinguishing a Judas branch from a true branch. A false disciple from a true disciple. A false Christian from a true Christian. This is talking about genuine salvation. And nothing is more important than this. Amen? Nothing is more important than salvation. Nothing is more important than to know that you are saved. To know that you are a true branch, firmly, securely, eternally attached to the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. There are only two types of branches. Fruitful branches, true believers like the eleven who remain with Jesus, and fruitless branches like Judas who left. This is about the true vine and the true fruit-bearing branches that give evidence that bears witness that someone is a true disciple, a true believer. And of the branches cast out and burned, it seems to me that that Jesus is explaining to the eleven of what had just happened with Judas. What are they thinking? They just, one of you will betray me. And then Jesus reveals it's Judas. And they go, what? What what, what do you mean? What's going on? For, For three years, Judas had been with them. For three years, Judas appeared to be a true follower of Christ. But ultimately, his true love was found. And apparently, his true love was 30 pieces of silver. His true heart was ultimately revealed. And Jesus had continually been talking about the true and the false believers throughout his ministry up to this point. And this is one of the things we're going to be looking at today. Let's go into Matthew's Gospel the 7th chapter, and here Jesus is talking about a superficial faith. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus saying, and then I will declare to them, I never, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, sin. Depart from me. I never knew you. And I know, I know throughout the world, throughout many churches in the world, that there are many who say they believe in Jesus. They even call Him Lord. They go to church. But there is no root. There is no attachment to the vine. And Jesus warned about superficial faith. And then let's turn to Matthew 13. Jesus speaks of the people who give a belief, a, a brief appearance that there is real spiritual life, but then fall away, wither and die without ever bearing good fruit. Matthew 13, the parable of the soils, the sower, verses 3 through 9. Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then, you know, the disciples are saying, we, we don't understand, help us, help us to know, what does this mean? And he explains the parable of the sower beginning in verse 18, Matthew 13, verse 18 through 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. That would be someone, perhaps, that hears a sermon, that hears something about the Lord, and they hear it with their ears, but it goes no further. It does not go deep, no root, nothing inside. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and he immediately receives it with joy. Oh, tell somebody about it. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Verse 21 says, Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Or they have the appearance of being a true believer, at least for a while. And it's almost like, well, I'm trying this and this ain't working. And then they fall away. Perhaps they spring up and man, they're going great guns. It appears for the Lord, but then they fall away. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word the word immediately he stumbles. Now he received seed among the thorns as he who hears the word, 
and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Now let me pause there for a minute. How can anyone hear the word of God and understand it? Only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. Uh, uh, until the Lord helps us to understand it, the message of the cross is what? Foolishness in the ears of the unbeliever. It is until the Lord opens our eyes, opens our ears, that we may hear the truth, truly hear the truth and understand it. It is He who wrought, who brings forth regeneration and rebirth. It is Him. But He who received seed on the good ground is He who hears the Word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So that gives you an indication that as born-again believers, we're all on different levels, aren't we? We're all in different places. Oh, we're all born again. We're all His. We're all bearing fruit. Some are bearing this fruit, some this fruit, and some this fruit. Then Jesus tells the story or the parable of the wheat and the tares that there are going to be false Christians growing alongside true Christians. So let's read Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. Another parable he, Jesus, put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go? Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You understand what he's talking about? True believers... False believers. Jesus had been talking about this and talking about them, this talking about this all throughout Scripture and His Word. True and false believer. The difference between the saved and the unsaved. The difference between heaven and hell. What about the rich young ruler? Let, let's let's back or uh, go to Matthew nineteen, verse sixteen through twenty-two. And remember, these are all things that Jesus had said. And have been teaching. Matthew nineteen sixteen through 22. Now, behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he, so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, 
All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Now, Jesus knew his heart, didn't he? Jesus knew his heart. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew what his true love was. Money and possessions. Because do you have to give away all your possessions, all your money to follow Jesus? No. No. But you have a you, you must have a greater love for Jesus than anything else. Than anything else. But this man was not willing to give it up. He was not willing to deny himself, to take up the cross of Christ and follow him. And he went away sorrowful. He went away lost. He went away bound for hell. In the words of the rich young ruler, remember what he said? Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And it's almost as if I can hear that attitude throughout many of the world today who want an easy path to heaven. Just tell me the one thing. Tell me the easy thing. That, that thing that I can do so I can put a check mark next to going to heaven. You understand? Tell me what good thing. That easy thing. Say a little prayer. <laughs> yeah, I can repeat a prayer. Tell me what to say. I could do that. Take a little class. Sure. Sure, I can take a class. Oh, you're going to give me a certificate at the end so I'll have proof? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, baptism? I don't mind a little water. Yeah, I could do that. Oh, hey, don't forget, give me that certificate. Yeah, I need evidence to, to show others that, that I'm, I'm good and I'm going to heaven. Yeah, I could, I could do those things. But are any of these, any of these evidence that anyone is going to heaven? No, no. None of these good things give evidence that you are saved, that you have eternal life with Christ, that you have an inheritance awaiting you in heaven. The question to ask is this, and we got to ask it of ourselves. I need to ask it of myself. You need to ask it of yourself. Are you abiding in Christ? Are you bearing good fruit? In Matthew 7, Jesus talked about fruit, the good tree and the bad tree. Matthew 7, verse 16 through 20. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? <laughs> no, no. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Does that sound familiar? Have we not read that a couple times already today from other passages? In verse 20, Therefore, and he says it again, By their fruits you will know them. What did Jesus say in John 15 verse 8? 
By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So, am I, are we, a fruit-bearing branch, or a superficial branch with no real attachment to Christ, only just perhaps a few outward signs of being a true believer, but no life within. See, there's the question, isn't it? The warnings of Jesus. So every true Christian has fruit? Every true Christian bears fruit? Yes. 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 Well, well preacher, what? tell me what those are. <laughs> See, now, now here's the danger. Because it could be just like the, the rich young ruler, tell me that one good thing for me to do. And someone asks me, well, what's the good fruit that, that I need to bear? And, and I can say some things and they'll, they'll make them a list and then they'll go and check them off. It's okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Now this is a matter of heart. This is a matter of obedience to God as He speaks to each individual of what their work is for them to do. And perhaps if we're talking about fruit, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? Well, the evidence that we are born again, that we bear the Spirit of God in us, is that we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. So let's go. Let's go to Galatians 5 and read this once again. Galatians 5, 22 through 26, the fruit of the Spirit. Every True believer, born again, will bear the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Brother Jim talked about that this morning. We, we, we will be a new creation. We will no longer be the same. We, we have been crucified with Christ. Ah, we, I, I live, yet not I, but Christ in me. Verse 24 again, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Because if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not going to become puffed up or conceited. We're not going to provoke one another. We're not going to envy one another. The fruit of the Spirit. Hebrews 12, we're not going to turn there, but it, it, it talks of a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Bearing good fruit would be to have righteous behavior. Uh, good fruit, what is that? Preacher, what is that? Well, to have righteous attitudes, to have righteous longings, righteous desires, righteous affections, righteous virtues, righteous behaviors. See, that is the manifestation of true life, of where the life of God exists and the fruit will be there because we are saved by grace through faith so that we will bear good fruit. Let's read again in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, God gives the faith to believe. God gives the faith. It is Him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let me pause there again. It's, it's not of works. It's not tell me that one good thing so that I can do that work and I know I'm good. No, you're not saved by works lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. We're born of God, of Him. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? You say it. Good works. Say it louder. Good works. That's, that's, we're created in Him for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does every born-again child of God have good works laid out before them that they should walk in? You have to say yes, or the Word of God is, is a, it's a lie. So we have to say yes. There's good works for every born-again believer that is out there. We're saved by grace through faith for good works to bear good fruit. And when we bear fruit, much fruit, we prove that we are a true disciple. As James said this, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. It's a useless claim. The only way to know faith is real, salvation is real, is by the evidence. By the evidence. We, we, we read it earlier in Matthew 7. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, and that's repeated a number of times throughout the Gospels. We're known by our fruit. We're known by the manifest, the visible evidence of transformation. See, that's the only way that we can know that, that we are saved. That's the only way we can we look at others and, and perhaps have an idea of whether they're saved or not. What do we see? What's the evidence of their walk? You see, the, the, the only way you can tell a person's a Christian, it, it's not by, and this applies to ourselves too, it's not by remembering an event. It's not by remembering a prayer. It's not by wishing and hoping. The way you know someone has been transformed and regenerated and born again is because the fruit of righteousness is made manifest in their lives. I like how John MacArthur said this, uh, talking of the righteous living that, that we do while we are yet on earth. But because are, are, are we perfect? Are we going to live every day perfect, every moment perfect? No, no, no. And, and John says this, it's not perfection, this, this righteous living while we're yet on earth. It's not perfection, but it's a dominating direction. Did you understand that? Oh, it's not perfection. We're not going to be perfect. But for the true believer, it's going to be a dominating direction. It's going to be our desire to want to bear fruit. To want to be about our Father's business. To want to be about doing those good things that He has laid out before us. Because we're not perfect. We're still prone to sin. We're still prone to wonder. And we, we didn't sing it this morning. Prone to wonder. Prone to leave the God I love. But we will not remain in that condition of wonder of wondering, because the Good Shepherd will come for us. See, there's another sign. At some point, 
the good shepherd will come for us. Because we are His. We are attached to the true vine. We abide in Him and He in us. Can you kind of grasp that at all? That He abides in us and we in Him. Child of God, you are His dwelling place. Think of that. You are His dwelling place. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Let's go to 1 John 4, verses 13 through 16. 1 John 4, 13 through 16. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. How can we know? How can we know? Because He has given us His Spirit. Every true born-again child of God has the Spirit of God within them. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. <laughs> There's so much here, and, and I've had to try to find an ending spot because we're not there's, we're not going to get through all of this. I'm not going to try because there's so much to think about even here. But but one more thing that I want to bring out, and just it's just that word abide, to remain, to stay. And remember, who's Jesus' audience? immediate audience as he is saying these words it's the 11 the one left the 11 remained and jesus is saying to them stay abide with me abide with me remain stay with me don't do what judas did don't leave don't go out but remain Walk with me. Stay rooted and grounded in me. And that's what Paul in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. This is talking of the true believer. The true believer. And I know what, and I can say that because they are rooted in Him. There's an attachment, it's not on stony ground. It's not there that the birds gathered and took it away, not rooted in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abide in Him. And Lord willing, I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this in the week or weeks to come. Because the simple command dominates our text. The word abide is used ten times between verses 4 and verse 11. You think this is important? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And so here I'm going to simply say this, and I'm going to echo this to you. If you have made a profession of faith in Christ, abide. 
remain. Don't leave. Stay. Stay and give evidence that your faith is real. And the only way we can stay is if we are attached and rooted in Christ. Because listen, if you leave, if you become a Judas, you demonstrate that you are a fruitless branch, never had eternal life, and will be cut off, dried up, and burned. If you do not abide, if you do not, do not remain in Christ, you bear witness of the truth found in 1 John 2.19. Now listen, listen to this. How, how could somebody, perhaps you have friends. I've known preachers who preached for years, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. They're gone. You, you find out they, they've divorced their wife, they've done all manner of things, and they are gone. Never to be seen again in the house of God. How could that happen? How could that happen? You may have friends. Oh, they, they, they seemed to have accepted Christ. They were so excited, so excited, and, and, and they seemed to have changed. But then... As, as the cares of the world, as persecution, or as trials came, huh, this ain't working out. Well, I don't need this. I could spend my Sundays doing better things than going to church, and they're gone. They're gone. Well, how could that be? Well, this right here tells you how it can be. They went out from us. They left, or, or they, they was with us. They, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. They would have remained. They would have stayed. So what does that say? But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Just sad. And there will be many, many, many who will do this. For a while, Try to hang on. Try to hang on. But there's no power of the Spirit within them, and they can't hang on. And so ultimately they fall away. And perhaps that falling away will not be they falling away until their death, but perhaps the Lord in His mercy and grace would call to them and draw them to Himself so that there could be true repentance and true abiding and the power of the Spirit within them so that they can live and bear fruit. Because apart from being attached to Christ, without me, you can do nothing. There is no bearing fruit without the power of Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Continuance. Perseverance. Oh, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that it might be revealed that they, that none of them were of us. It's a picture of Judas, isn't it? Doesn't that, doesn't that give us a picture of Judas? He, he was of them. Three years. 
Then he left. And he left. We know, we know that, that God's plan was for Christ to go to the cross. And this is the avenue that God allowed to happen so that his, his, his only begotten son would be handed over to the scribes, to the Pharisees, the chief priests, so that he would be put to death. But what a heinous crime. It would have been better had he not been born than to have done what he did. Because you know, you know what he did afterwards, right? After he received the silver, he went and hung himself. Judas, a dead branch, didn't remain, didn't endure, no perseverance because the true child of God will persevere. Will they not? They will. Doesn't mean you'll always be perfect. Doesn't mean we may have a temporary moment of falling or stumbling. But again, the good shepherd knows the sheep. The good shepherd will not leave us there. The good shepherd will leave the 99 and come and bring that one back into the fold. He will. He will. And it may come through discipline. It may come through trial. And, and this will be another thing perhaps we're going to pick up next time of talking about count it all joy, how we can count it all joy through the trial because the good shepherd is allowing those things to happen so that we might know the strength is not our own, but it is Him. And we abide. We abide in Him. And we will, the true believer will endure and persevere to the end. Let's close with this. Matthew 24, verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give thanks for Your Word. And, and what a challenge the Word is and was for today. Lord, that, that we might all examine ourselves. And that we might all know the importance of abiding in Christ and of bearing the good fruit, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to walk in the the good work that You have placed before every true believer. So Father, help us not to be slack in those things that we should be about and that we should be doing. And, and, and Father, I know this, that, that the good work You have placed before us could be something different for everyone in here. So Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment so that we might know those good deeds, those good works that You would have us to do as an individual. Oh, there are many things that we all must do. The commandments that's given in Your Word. Oh, but Lord, daily perhaps there is some something that by Your Spirit You are bringing to our mind. And so Father, help us to not be so busy so filled up with other things that we let that pass. So Father, help us to be about the good work that You have placed before us. And Father, help us. And we know it is only by the power of the Spirit that is in us, it is only by You that we can endure to the end. And so Father, may we consider ourselves. And may it bring a holy fear to us that we would have that desire to persevere and endure. 
And Father, should there be one who is listening to this sermon, who is yet lost, who is, who is yet a branch that is not attached to the true vine, and maybe they've been living in appearance as a Christian, but there is no life there. So Father, I pray that by the power of Your Spirit and the truth of Your Word, You would convict, that You would have mercy, that You would draw them close to Yourself, open their eyes to see their sin, open their eyes to see Your holiness, and all the fear of the Lord, the fear of You, the trembling that comes of of the sinner seeing Most Holy God. And then, Father, I pray, by grace, relieve that fear by showing the rescue of Christ upon the cross. And Lord, grant them faith to believe. Grant them repentance. Lord, as they confess their sins and they turn from their sins to follow You evermore. So, Father, we need You. And we need to be reminded Reminded of the grace that was bestowed to us. Reminded of who we once were without You, without Christ. And Father, that we would have the desire to abide, to remain, to stay with Christ and endure to the end. So help us, Father, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.